All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Yeah, I see Twitter. Jonas, let me know Twitter. We've got some Alabama questions on how I feel about that. I see that on Facebook Live. Uh, I will address, when we get to college, I will address the uh, big uh, defeat of Texas over Alabama. I definitely get my thoughts, and I'll answer that question on what I think of the Tides program. But if you've been listening to me, long enough you should already know that and really where we're at I've been telling you what the deal is when it comes to Alabama but I definitely get my thoughts here shortly on them and we'll talk about uh, Coach Prime going 2-0 and with the Colorado Buffaloes over Nebraska as well but before we uh, get to that we've got some national football news that's still and some meat left on the bone and we'll trans we'll, we'll transition from the Cowboys game um, up to the Mile High City Okay, Um, and we'll go into the debut of Sean Payton and uh, the Denver Broncos uh, yesterday. And let me just get to my notes and make sure I've got everything, you know, because I'm taking stuff this mentally, but up in age, you know, I've just got to make sure I want to cover everything. Uh, first of all, they go ahead and lose. The Raiders now have made it seven straight wins against the Denver Broncos uh, as they win 17 to 16. Um my thoughts were this, and, and it's gonna. I'm gonna try to uh, cover as much as possible. I mean, they can hear papers rattling. Like, I mean, what? Like, they know they got papers rattling. Like, I don't give a damn. Anyway, listen. First of all, let's talk. Let's put everything in perspective um, in regards to this, because going into this, I said, and I still stand by it. It was one of the biggest opening games I can remember Denver having uh, at home field at home. They haven't opened that at home since they won the trophy in 2016. So they've been opening on the road now for like six years in a row. Um, And I thought it was important in the grand scheme of things really to try to win this football game uh, by any means necessary. And they didn't. there's positives and there's negatives. And uh, the negatives uh, that I will, we can start even with the negatives. Um, what I took from the game and where my concerns are right now, because I told you for the weeks, I've got circle what's on Sean's call, what's lingering from George Payton, and what's on Russ's plate. And right now what we'll do on the negative, we're going to start with uh, Sean Payton. Um the play calling and the structure and looking organized, I thought looked good. Not going to say great, but it looked good. I mean, and like I said, it's the same thing I say about the Giants going into Arizona. After, which, after what we saw last year offensively with this team of just not being, not having any plan whatsoever identity, uh, the bar is low. Let's just say that for one. But it looked good. Um the things I look at, Sean, yesterday, the one thing that was alarming to me, and look, we can start, if you want to start with the onside kick, um, this is who, this this is, uh, it's crazy, because this is part of the reason why I've always loved him as a coach, and it's the other part that you just got to take, like they say, the good with the bad. This is his personality. It's part of his personality. Now, the way I look at it, he's on a big scale with all eyes on, he's one and one with those. I mean, they, if you watch the, the feed of the Denver Broncos game yesterday, you see automatically in a couple segments, commercial breaks, they came back with the Super Bowl onside kick coming out of halftime, changed the whole game. This is something that evidently maybe they saw something on film with the Raiders. Uh, you had to execute this as high risk uh, versus reward. Um, God touched it. 
two inches maybe earlier than going past the 10 yards. I mean, I'm just now sitting here flipping in, getting ready for the game, getting my mind right past the 12 o'clock noon games, trying to figure out, again, getting used to this all this streaming crap. And let me tell you something about the technology. Let me talk to the nerds and the geeks out there real quick that work for these big streaming companies. And y'all know how I feel about Jeff Bezos. You know how I felt about Amazon uh, last year and what their product was. Um, everybody knows what's going on with Spectrum. And, and, and we all know about the NFL delivering, you know, the, the ticket, the Sunday package on YouTube now. We know that we're entering a world of streaming. Okay, but the message I got for these nerds and geeks that want to go and get these checks from the National Football League and say, we're going to service your product. Y'all got to figure out something in regards to the buffering situation in regards to streaming. I know I've let Jonas has educated me, which I understand. Hey, dude, that I don't care what service you got. You That's the streaming world service. Well, if you want to stream a TV show, if you want to stream a sitcom and if you want to, you know, a, a novella a soap proper and you want to dig you want to deal with buffering and lag that's one thing when you got real live sports action and you've got things that you got to react to in real time and you deal with the buffering to charge what they're charging for the nfl ticket and everything they've got i heard i saw a lot of people on social media complaining about this weekend i'm figuring out a way just to get used because it is what it is they got to do better i digress so i'm sitting there getting ready getting used to got the box up all the games getting there and i'm getting to get ready to click in and i flipped over because i've got it programmed in and i see all of a sudden the crowd going crazy i see going i say well what the hell's going on because i did the, the kickoff so i'm like oh they got an onside kick okay well that's gutsy he, he came in and started the air on this and then they go to a for the review he touched it now when you do something like that whether you see something on film or not that allows you to think that we can pull this off they won't be prepared the other thing that you're saying is that you know you can look at it the fact of like damn we got a lot of injuries i know what i've seen for a month in camp i know what this plan is going to be we got to take some chances you can look at it that way the other way you can look at it is like you know what i've got some confidence in my defense so even if we don't get it, we can hold them to three. Wrong answer yesterday. Didn't happen. So you start behind the eight ball, seven zero. Um, so that right there, I put on that Sean call. If it works out, they go up 7-0, they win the game. Everybody said, damn, this is Sean. This is the reason why they got him. This is the reason why they're paying him $15 million. He knows that. You know, I heard his call this morning in regards to him talking to the media and answer different questions and stuff. And not so much particular about the fake onside kick, but other things how it went. Um, number two, so I'm putting that kind of on Sean that I see earlier. Uh, that's one. Number two, look, I'll go through another game and see an extra point missed or 50-yard plus field goal miss and still don't care if Brandon McManus goes five for five for Jacksonville or seven, seven. He needed to be off the team. He needed a fresh start. Denver needed a fresh start. Even though this kicking situation looks like this could be a problem lingering, I'm going to give Lutz a little bit benefit of the doubt. He's kicking in my eye. He just showed up, hasn't kicked in the stadium so much, but at the end of the day, Sean, like, look, let's get it real. Cause the fans out there that's talking Brandon McManus, financial reasons, they had to let him go. They, in regards to the holes, as you see, and the lack of depth this team might have based off the injuries that are exposing it, they couldn't play Brandon McManus $10 million, $12 million to kick field goals. And I've been telling you, Brandon McManus has been a front runner for the last couple years. 
If it's a blowout, he can make them. If the game is within four or five, he misses them. And for Denver fans that sitting there want to go automatic, like, oh, well, you see, uh, Brandon Mintz, uh, last year in week one, he missed a field goal, too. Ironically, last week in week one, if I'm not mistaken, the game ended 17-16, to too, in Seattle. And Brandon McManus missed one last year. So I, I don't care about that. But at the end of the day, that's chalk number two on Sean. He bought Lutz in. He went through the Mahar, went through this competition, said he brought in. He missed the extra point. He missed the 50-plus yarder. Lost by one. That's number two. Before I move on to Sean, the third thing I'm saying, that's kind of on you. Look, when you have a situation where I think Judy could have went yesterday if he needed to, but he didn't. I didn't think he was going to play. Um, you know, you've already lost. Everybody knows by now you lost Tim Patrick at the beginning of the year again. Uh, you lost another receiver uh, prior to camp as well. So your depth was going to be there. So therefore, it's about skill players. Now, when the roster cut came down, Sean Payton made a decision, which I don't believe it's on. Um, part of it is, but I don't think it's all on George Payton because Sean made a decision like, look, we waited too long for Albert or this organization has waited too long for Albert O to come around or due to the fact of like, you know what, Albert O, we've been telling him he needs to learn how to block and run block better protection, better. He's a skill play. That's a decision. So you go with Hireman. He's the guy. And let me tell you, there's two plays that stand out going for third and short. You give me this. I can beat. It looked like I can beat Hireman in a 40 yard dash right now. He was slow shot. You can't tell me in a game where Dolches goes down in the first quarter. You can't tell me in a game, in my opinion, that Albert O couldn't have been another skilled dude to make plays compared to what we saw in the last preseason game. So those are the three things early that is, that's on you, Sean. Now, Sean has a six-year deal. And the reality of it is, you know, I've got a, a guy in this Denver feed that basically I just had to comment because it's the craziest thing that I've ever seen uh, comment. And, I, and I'm going to see if I can get his name uh, right, uh, but I probably won't. Uh, and I can't find him right now, but I know he's listening because it was a comment. Uh, Tony Jones. I came across, it's a Denver feed, he's on Facebook, like, he comes back and says, well, you know, looking at the help that we need and the secondary and the depth and leadership, you know, uh, Chris Harris is out there. Uh, that could be a veteran that we could go, Chris Harris is helping. And I said, look, Tony, that, with all due respect, that's like one of the dumbest posts I've seen. Chris Harris is a free agent for a reason. Chris Harris would I respect and I told him I respect everything Chris Harris did for that organization during the no fly zone era and all that kind of stuff. Chris Harris is not on a roster for a reason. And that has that has nothing to do with that. The cornerback position is not really the problem. Now, the secondary, you lose uh, Stroud. He, from what I'm hearing, he might be gone for the year. They were already down with Kwan Williams was already out for the season. So to me, the answer is not, you know, oh, we got it Chris Harris. No, the reality of it is this is what it looks like when you get injuries and you haven't had first round picks in the last couple of years. And then your prior regime, that was basically when you were winning titles and your, your AFC division titles and you were coming off a Super Bowl. I always go back to in those eras. There was a lot of skill position, offensive linemen, receivers and everything else and quarterbacks that were missed. So when you put all all that together and you start getting injuries the depth situation or guys you pull up is going to be a question now he pulled Jordan Humphreys little Jordan Humphreys up from the practice squad on Friday he found the end zone but the reality of it is is that Sean has a six-year deal 
And I believe the way, you know, and I understand that this has been a frustrating period for Denver Bronco fans, like diehard Denver Bronco fans. But the reality of it is this is a process that is going to that Sean knows that he's going to whatever his goal is this year. He's still looking out to see, like, who's going to be around? Who is who is my type of guy? Now, you would like to get as many W's you can in that. But that is the reality. And the reality of it is, is that the only way you fix depth is through drafts and free agency. So those are the three things. Now, the other thing that's going to be crazy about it, whether the injuries mount up or whatever, the depth issue, whatever, that falls on George Payton because he was drafted and guys, whether you draft guys that can't stay out of the hot tub or the, 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 the trainer's office or just getting hurt, that's going to fall on George Payton because it's not just about Russell Wilson. It's about, and that's the thing I think, you know, that I want to get to a little bit of the positives that I, even though I put those three negative things on Sean, I'm going to give you the positive things with Sean is because you saw the difference and you saw what I talked about the structure and the way Russell Wilson played. Now, Shelby checked in with me and she had a question on Facebook Live saying, Hey, Cal, yesterday games were sloppy with all the false starts, delay of game calls. Russell didn't have a bad day, but 48 million to throw check downs all the day. What's your take? I told you Friday, I don't care what it looks like. The deal has to be to win. I think in regards to Russell Wilson, that version of Russ that we saw yesterday, if that's the good it gets, that's good enough to win. The problem is you can't put this on Russ yesterday. The deal is where I want to go next after I talked about Sean, the one guy, because there's two guys I'm putting on notice early. Might be black on black crime, but I don't give a damn. Okay. Number one is what has kept me tossing and turning since the hire was made and since the fact of you made a decision not to make it that much priority because the report said, uh, you know, Virgio, whatever you pronounce my brother's name, the defensive coordinator last year, didn't really want to be stuck around because Hackett was his guy and he felt weird. But I only know they didn't make a full effort to keep him in house. Vance Joseph. I told y'all he's under a lot of pressure from that fan base up there because of him as a head coach. All he came out every week say, well, we had a good practice. It's still a running joke amongst Denver fans in Denver, Colorado. He's on the clock. He's on notice for me. Okay? Because the one thing that's been strong for the Denver Broncos for the last five, six years is ep as epic and, 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 you know, just anemic their offense has looked is the defensive side of the ball. That's been like that since the 2016 that they won it. Offense, I keep going back to that. Peyton's last year, the offense was trash. But they won a Super Bowl because they had an all-great time defense. A lot of zone yesterday. If you look at the stats, Devontae Adams had like zero catches when Patrick Sertain was pretty much on him. And then he, he, he grew a flag on Patrick Sertain. But then on the other times he wasn't, you saw him get free. It was a lot of zone. And, you know, you can talk about preseason doesn't matter. But the reality of it is, is that even though you're dealing with guys that were going to be cut, not there, what was the story with Denver in the preseason for the first two games? They got a lead. They were winning. But the defense couldn't get a stop to end the drive. That stuff matters. Okay? Jacoby, Jacob, what's his name? Jacoby Myers? My goodness. I mean, damn. They made Jacoby Myers uh, look like Julian Allen yesterday. Come on, man. You got to get a stop. There was an opportunity. You got points before halftime. You had the double dip situation that Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniel, everybody, the Sean Paytons of the world, McVay, everybody wants to double dip. 
get the score right, but we're going to defer. We're going to score right before halftime, and we're going to get the ball right back to start out. That situation played out perfectly for them. What happens? The drive going down to the third, at the start of the third quarter, you go to the red zone. There's a penalty, a false start, or whatever. Then you have to settle for a field goal. Which, if you go score and make that game all of a sudden twenty to seven, it's a whole different ball game. Totally different ball game. Now, let me talk about the positives, okay? The positives is that I thought, and you know what? Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff in the second half, they outcoached Sean Payton in the coach staff second half because they made adjustments. In the first half, Denver had no problems really with Max Crosby. He has destroyed every game that they've played against the Raiders in this six-game losing streak up until yesterday. He was null and void last yesterday in the first half. The other guy that's been a killer – over 120 yards, 15, 115 yards, straight off, straight off a holdout. Josh Jacobs, not really a factor all game, but really couldn't do nothing in, in, in the original first half. Something changed in the second half. Now, I'm gonna before we move on from this game, I'm gonna give you my positives. Okay, I'm gonna give you my positives and what this means, and then we'll go forward. Because there's other games I want to look at. The most impressive, I'm gonna tell you to me what the most impressive win in the fashion that they did it and the opponent they did. I'm gonna tell you that when we get back. Then we'll get into college. Big Texas goes in and ruins Alabama's home winning streak against non-conference opponents. We'll definitely talk about that as well. And Coach Prime, you listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 877-37-GRIND is your number. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pendleton Whiskey also delivers an 
uncommonly smooth taste and rich complex flavor. That is Pendleton Whiskey, which is an official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association, which is the PRCA, and it's the official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind, Pendleton Whiskey. 87737-GRIND. So, um, the positives... Uh, well, let, let me just say this too, um, in regards to the negative before I leave the negative. Um, another thing I'm putting on again, Sean, is again the higher, just like the whole, you know, the tight end he elected and the the kicker and Lutz and he he hired Vance Joseph. And I, and I think Vance Joseph's really a good guy. I think he's a stand-up guy. You know, Colorado from the area. He's back home. His wife wanted to come back home. The reality of it is, though, is that the standard is more higher on the defensive side in Denver than it is even the offensive side considering the last seven years. They won a Super Bowl, the third one in franchise history, off their defense, not their offense. So it is a different higher standard. Okay, Uh, and I just feel that, you know, it's going to come to a time where the other negative before I go to positive. This is the big one. Okay, Look, man, because first of all, look, there ain't nobody that can talk up or basically look out the positives for teams that I've got interest in no more than me. But I'm also the type of guy like, look, man, I can also be just negative as harsh if it really calls for it. And it's not an overreaction of week one. It's just a reality. And the reality of it is I told you Vance Joseph. I know this is black on black crime, but Vance Joseph is number one that's on notice already after week one. And number two is Randy Gregory. Denver got no pass rush whatsoever yesterday. Um, Now, I believe when it's all said and done, the Raiders are going to have probably a top five offensive line. Um, I think their offensive line is, is, is better. Um, than it was last year. I told you, even though early in the summer, I was like, man, the Raiders, you watched. Devontae Adams mad because they traded Derrick or whatever. But when I saw them play two pre's, I said, you know what? Their defense is a lot better than I thought. And it showed yesterday. You got to give some credit to the Raiders on defense as well, too. But Randy Gregory, to get that bag a few years ago, or I should say last year, to get that bag, and you can't win one one-on-one battle. Now, I know Jimmy gets, you know, Sean talked about this this morning in his press conference. Jimmy gets the ball out quick. He's done it in San Francisco. He did it in New England. He gets the ball out quick. I don't care. Randy Gregory not to win one one-on-one battle to get to the quarterback is unacceptable. Unacceptable. There was no pressure. Uh the young man that was they, they signed three free agencies. The defensive, my man, defensive guy that comes from Arizona with Vance Joseph, he didn't show up on my screen till probably the last drive, uh, the, the last three four minutes of the game. So he was kind of uh, you know pedestrian and, and and missing in MIA. Vance Joseph has to find a way, and this is going to be very interesting in adjustments. And this is what you pay eighteen million dollars or fifteen, whatever the number is, with his coach and a symbol. Is what's going to be the adjustments? To see, everything's about Sean hiring Russ. Sean, fix Russ, fix Russ. Like I told Jonas just now, the break. Now it's time to come over, and now you're going to fix how you're going to fix the Broncos and learn how they got to win in some of these close games and how to win. Because a lot of these guys in the locker room don't know how to win. They haven't won before. Same thing I say about the Jets. The Jets got all this talent, but a young young, they ain't won nothing yet. 
They don't know how to win. The organization's been a winner, but these guys is wearing these uniforms in Denver other than Russ. They don't know, they don't know about winning and, and glitchy, which he was kind of suspect. And I'm telling you, I, I ain't putting him in my doghouse yet, but Powers, that's another Sean guy that's got a lot of money coming in this year that kind of looked, you know, shaky. Now, the positive is, though, the, it disappointing in the pass rush. Vance Joseph has to find this is going to be the number one thing I'm looking for next week against the commanders coming to Denver. How are you going to create pressure on Sam Howe? You got to do it. The positives. You know, I had somebody right now on Facebook said, hey, you know what, Calvin? Uh, Russ looked a little bit more mobile. You know, Russ looked better. You know, his throws, he was on the run. More stuff that we saw him do instead of trying to be pocket practice. I agree. But, again, the bar was set so low last year how bad it looked offensively. I mean, what? I mean, 27 for 34, 177 yards, two touchdowns. Now, if you go look at the NFL last yesterday, I mean, other than Derek Carr, Tua, down there throwing for 500 yards, I mean, hell, um, it was those are similar stats you've seen from a lot of quarterbacks, but I think it looked so bad last year with Russ that you look and say, well, damn, he looked more mobile. Yeah, he did. But that's one the more positive of how Russ looked is how the offense looks like they have like different personnels lining up in a three bunch. Stuff like that. It was very encouraging. I think the offensive line played pretty good. I was worried about the offensive line offseason. The running game looked good. I thought they run block good. Now, however, the reason why I'm giving the nod to Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff for out coaching Sean Payton and his staff in the second half, because like I said, Matt Cosby started being a problem in the second half. I don't know what happened at halftime, but in the first half, they were doing a good job containing the two guys that have killed the Denver Broncos in silver and black for the last six games in a row going into yesterday was Brandon Jacobs and basically Max Crosby. And in the halftime, they still detained Josh Jacobs because, again, he's just showing up, man. He ain't in training camp or nothing. But they, Max Cosby started to have an influence on this game. But the positive was in the line played pretty good, the run. And, yes, Russ moving around looked better. Those are the positives. That's kind of basically the positives. But other than that, it's a loss. It's a division loss. It's seven in a row to a division opponent. And really, you got to look at it. I mean, the, it was prime for them to start 2-0. Now, the Washington Commanders are coming in, which I believe, regardless how much Arizona tested them, they've got a decent defense. They're going to present some offensive problems. Very concerned early on with Vance Joseph and his schemes. I hope I'm apologizing to the brother for overreacting week one. I've seen his defense long enough. I kind of understand and kind of know that. So that's the positive. The only positive I can find, quite a bit of negative, but I think the bright spot is at least they've got a direction where they're going. But look, man, the Dolich injury, I told y'all, this is not a team that can suffer a lot of injuries. And you know what's going to happen? If their season gets away with them because they just keep losing bodies or their guys can't perform, George, it, it could be a we never. No one's ever discussed this scenario. Wonder if it's some Russ gives us like that, what he's giving Denver, the fans of Denver, and he's okay. But it's like, oh, well, George, you still got to go because look at everybody else you didn't draft in the last couple of years is not there. I could see that scenario playing out as well. 877-37-GRIND. All right, and the other weird thing. They had sick Jones like, God, I thought we were moving on. Not yet. Okay? Got in this market for a reason. People, y'all know that. Which Sean said it was weird. They only had six possessions. Raiders had seven. When you get in a game where you only get six possessions, and, and, and granted, the Raiders only have seven, 
the margin for error, a missed extra point, a holding penalty in the in the red zone. This, and that's another thing. I only gave Sean three, right? Let me give him one more because that's my guy. But damn it, I look, man, you know, I got to let this new market know like, hey, man, I will talk him up. But when it comes down to whatever, the biggest disappointment more than the missed field goal, the missed extra point, Vance Joseph in his zone, letting him march all up and down. Okay, I'm like, damn, Jimmy got enough energy to go shoot two vivid videos after the fact. We ain't even putting no pressure. If you wonder what vivid videos is, you don't need to know. Anyway, if you don't know what that is, penalties. That is disappointing more because what did Sean Payton do from day one in the press whatever? This league, this team led the league in penalties last year. The penalties are a reflection of a coach's staff. 10 penalties. Now, Raiders, I think, had left. They had 10 penalties yesterday. If this is the number, if you led the league in penalties and you come out at home and for whatever reason, ticky-tack, whatever, 10 penalties, they got to clean that up. That's cool. I'm really putting that, Sean, on this stat because that's what he preached, and he's always preached it going back to the times of New Orleans. Like, you got to have the bros and Joes, but that is disturbing. Now we can move on. Now, the most impressive win more impressive than 40 to 0 for the Giants. More impressive than Miami over the Chargers. More impressive than Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield over Minnesota. It came from his former team in the Cleveland Browns. That was the most impressive, dominating performance all weekend. And yes, I'm putting it over that. You can call me a hater. Oh, there goes Calvin. Hate on the Cowboys. Nah, man, I'm talking about the opponent. That they played. And I told you I'm not a big fan of his, but I preached it for months. Jonas is my witness. I said the Schwartz hire is people are going to be able to see the difference in the attitude of the defense and the attitude of the D-line in regards to Schwartz. Let me tell you something, man. Joe Barrow, I, and I understand this. Jonas, let me know which is true, man. There's uh, Cincinnati can go beat Kansas City. They can go beat whoever. They can go play Philly. They can go into the Arrowhead. They can go anywhere else. For some reason in Cleveland, when they play the Browns for the last, I don't know, six out of seven games, they get it. It's like I don't. I don't know if it's a. I don't want to say a mental thing because I don't want to take away from what I saw in Cleveland because I paid attention to this game yesterday. Total domination of defense. Joe Barrow, 14 for 31, 82 yards. That is a career low stat line. Joe Mixon, 13 carries, 56 yards. Jamar Chase ran his gums. I don't like the mind state Jamar Chase is in right now. And that's on Zach Taylor, which I've always had for years. He's suspect to me. Jamar Chase, five receptions and 39 yards, but you want to call these guys elves. And then after the game, you you knew the questions are coming. Oh, well, I kind of pissed off because I called him. We just lost to a bunch of L's. Jamar, you're supposed to be a leader, man, on this particular team. You and Joe are not playing. Yes, this is an in-division rivalry. This is an in-state kind of rivalry, whatever you want to call it. You're, you've been to the almost to the mountaintop. You've been in a Super Bowl. You have been into two conference championship games. To get up into this, this rubbish. This bumping gums in week one about L's and this and this, and you make that the focal point. This brother's mind state ain't in the right state of mind, and you're looking to get paid. He's supposed to be a leader on this. This is the most dominating performance that I saw in week one, and let me tell you something. 
Cleveland's defense, if they don't suffer a bunch of injuries, because everything I predict is always about, it's not about, I know it sounds about making excuses. Everybody gets injuries, but there's some more significant others. If they don't get heavy injuries to key guys on that defense and in that secondary, they are going to be a problem. And I told y'all I was very close in putting Cleveland in the AFC championship game against the Pittsburgh team, but I said, I don't know. Cleveland, I said it coming in. This was the year they got the longest streak without winning the division. It's theirs for the taking if they're going to play like that. Total domination against the Cincinnati Bengals. And if you look at Deshaun Watson, 16 for 29, 154 yards, one touchdown, one T. That's when I go back to Russ's stats and I look at all. They were pretty comparable around. It's week one unless you get to the, you know, Tua, which we'll get to in a little bit. Derek Carr threw for over 300 yards. You know, you had some, uh, you know, coming. Matthew Stafford, I forgot what his number was, which we won't get to them, by the way. Domination. The question is, can their defense continue to play at that level? Swartz has them playing with the – he's a cocky dude, too. He don't get a lot of camera time like Sean Payton. He don't get – Swartz is cocky as hell, too. Not really a head coach. He The last couple – with Philly – and now with Cleveland, he can coach his ass off when it looks like defensively-wise, and that was impressive. And the crazy thing of it is, I looked at it as a daunting task for Cleveland, but we looked at it, what, three out of the first four games or division games they open up with this year? That might be daunting, but if their defenses can, if they can get those division games while their defense is healthy, watch out. What do you got? On the Joe Burrow side, because there's a lot of overreaction, I think, this morning to the Bengals' offense and what it looked like. Uh, and, and even you know, speaking with the media this morning, Stefanski talked about it too. It was tough on both sides, on both offenses. Uh, in, in all of Ohio, in all of northern Ohio, it rained in one area, and that was over Cleveland Brown Stadium. It was hilarious listening to, to, to callers calling and, 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 and seeing the social media reaction yesterday, too. Mm-hmm. People who live five miles away from the stadium, and it's sunny outside. And it's just a downpour. Sheets of rain going on over at Cleveland Brown Stadium. So when you combine the, the weather, and you look at Deshaun's stats, but also Joe Burrow's stats, and you look at the, uh, the, the fact, too, that Joe Burrow, this is his first action coming off of the, the preseason so he didn't get to play. He's he's already limited mo- uh, with, from the mobile side because of the injury, because of the calf strain. And so you have a quarterback that can move against a quarterback that can't. Nick Chubb, of course, did his part. 18 carries, 106 yards, averaging nearly six yards per carry. Uh, so he did his part, especially as you're trying to run away with the game, literally. Uh, so the the overreaction to the AFC North can chill a little bit but yeah it was I, it was a good game I don't you know, it's more of the weather and everything it's more about the Cleveland Browns and what Cincinnati had to go through and even with Burrow's injury if he was really that hurt they wouldn't have him out there they just gave the man 200 some million dollars richest contract we've seen a lot of it guaranteed they wouldn't put him out this is more about the Cleveland's front and the secondary and the defensive game plan there's something to it when you beat a team out of six out of seven times, regardless. I mean, there's – look, the only overreaction I feel that might come from the North is you might look at going in and leading into the next game I wanted to touch on was the Pittsburgh Steelers and the 49ers. And it's going to be Pittsburgh versus Cleveland next Monday. Well, you know, look, must-see TV. Because like Mike Thomas said, they got the teeth kicked in. Okay? Um, that was the surprise of the week for me. 
not the fact they lost to the 49ers. It's the way they looked in the preseason and the fact that they went out and that defense looked like that. Now, Brock Purdy had a message to be sent. And the, basically, the message was nothing wrong with my elbow on the shoulder. Stop talking about Trey Lance. He's not there. I bailed John Lynch out and call out. Let's go. The team believes in him. I might have jumped off the 49ers the season a little bit too early, but it's 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 you know it is what it is. Y'all know how I feel about them. I've been the Paul Revere on the 49ers for years now. But that is a disappointing loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the way they lost. They I mean they really started under the they started behind the eight ball from jump. I mean, and you got to give credit to the 49ers, uh, but the reality of it is Pittsburgh uh, will probably be one of their worst defensive games they play all season. The only guy that got a sack, guess who? T.J. Watt's the only guy that's basically getting to Brock Purdy. They've got other talent on that D-line. They've got This is one of the most talented secondaries I remember Pittsburgh having in a long time. I might have to go back to them Bill Coward days. That was the shock of me. Not Tampa going in to beat Minnesota because I think I had Minnesota finishing last because like they're deep. You can't lose that many defensive starters and think that you're gonna come back and win eleven or twelve. How many games they won last year? And, and don't forget how many one point possession games Minnesota uh, stole. Uh, you know, basically victories from the jaws of defeat last year. That ain't happening two years in a row. Now, I think they're a good team. They will be in the wild card hunt. But the Minnesota Vikings, they, that didn't shock me in regards to even – got to give credit to Baker Mayfield. You know, Jonas has been – like, he made some good throws. I, you know, I've got to give credit to Mike. It's week, week one, but i got to give credit to his attitude. He put a deadline out for the team for his extension, which passed last Friday. The deadline was last Friday. They didn't meet it. They, the report surfaced over the weekend that the, that the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks are not giving Mike Evans an extension, and he went out there and balled and helped them get 1-0 on the road against Minnesota. So you got to give – and I've always said, like, Baker, like – Trash should not be challenging Baker regardless. And I've always said, regardless what Tampa Bay is, Baker's going to keep the job. He should keep the job as long as they win it. And I'm happy for Todd Bowles. I didn't want this brother to fall in the same situation he did with the Jets either. Philly holds on, gets out of Foxborough to defeat the Patriots. Definitely want to touch on that. Tyreek Hill and Tua. What is the AFC East and the rest of the AFC going to do with that tandem? Also, when we get back, Texas rolls into Tuscaloosa, dominates in the trenches, dominates in the trenches and gets the victory over Alabama. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about Coach Prime going to 2-0 with his Colorado Buffaloes. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. 
Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.